Hey, it's Amber Smith. Welcome to the Conscious Coach Podcast. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to be sharing part of the revamp today. It's part of a masterclass that I taught a few weeks ago. The masterclass was five days. Today, I'm going to be sharing my favorite topic that I talked about that week, and it is all about money. If you'd like to listen and even watch the videos of the masterclass, I will link that up in the show notes for you so that you can access all five days if you'd like. But today is all about money, and I know you're going to love it. So please enjoy. Okay, you guys, welcome to day two of the revamp. So I just want to do some housekeeping before I jump into the content today, because a few of you are having issues with accessing the replays and accessing the portal. And one of my pet peeves with Kajabi is you have to use the same email that if you ever bought something from me or signed up for a program, it can create two profiles, basically. And so what I'm doing and what I've actually done this morning is I created a landing page with all the replays that I will send out so that you don't have to log in to access the replays or the workbook. So be looking for that email just to make it a little bit easier. I thought it'd be awesome to have it in a portal, but it's sounding like some of you are having some problems. So I apologize for that. Like I said, just be on the lookout for that replay with a link to access all the replays kind of like on a regular landing page from my website and the workbook as well. So today we're talking about money. I am very excited because doing money belief work has changed my life, not just because I've increased my capacity to make money, but because of all the inner work that it requires you to do. It's one of my favorite things to work on with people because of how much inner work is required to change your paradigm about making money. It's not just about being wealthy or being richer than your neighbor. Like That's not really what this is about. This is about you expanding your own potential and your ability to serve other people. We're going to talk about how you only get paid for the service you bring to the world. And that doesn't have to be your time. It doesn't have to be even your attention. It has to be your level of service that you distribute to the world. So I'm going to start with a quote, and I love this quote. It's like something I think about a lot. This is Vernon Howard. You cannot escape from a prison if you don't know you're in one. And one of the things that I've learned is we all have our own money prisons. Not that it's even bad. This is something that I learned. It doesn't have to be bad for you to have a prison of what you actually think is possible, right? Like you limit what you think is possible and that is your prison. That is your paradigm. And so when I say paradigm, I just want to give you a quick definition on how I see the word paradigm. I think of it as like a web or a system of beliefs about the world, how things work, what you're capable of, and for the sake of today, how much money you get to make. When I started my business, I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. I was working for this company called VIP Kid. I'm just trying to make $600 a month to kind of like make ends meet for my young family. We were fresh out of grad school. Student loans were due. And I was like waking up at 3 a.m. to make $600 a month. And I remember waking up kind of frustrated one day because I was like, I have a degree. I'm a smart woman. Like, this is not what I think I'm capable of. It was my prison, right? Because it wasn't about the skills I had. I talked about three things this week, your characteristics, like your traits, your skills and your beliefs. And this is when I started to find the coaching world where it was like, this is a belief problem for me. I don't believe I'm the kind of person who can make a lot of money. And all of you guys have this border of what you believe is possible for you right now. And my guess is what you're creating right now is evidence of past beliefs of yourself and your identity as a salesperson, as an entrepreneur, as someone who makes money. We just wrapped up in the matrix and I called it make it rain, right? Whether you identify as a rainmaker or not, 
Those are the kinds of things that we don't see. They're the blind spots. They're the subconscious programming that run our lives. And in business, it's no different, right? If you subconsciously believe you're just not a good salesperson, you're not going to sell, right? If you subconsciously believe your wealth identity has like a 70 degree, can we, like the thermostat yesterday, and you keep telling your friends you want to be at 90 degrees, but you identify at 70 degrees, you're not going to be able to outperform your subconscious beliefs, the paradigm, the prison that we don't know we're in. And so when we talk about shifting beliefs, I actually think it's not just beliefs. I really think it's the paradigm that we want to shift, the way that we see the world, the way that we see money and rich people, the way that we see our clients. I was actually just chatting with one of my clients, and I feel like the biggest transformation I've made is believing in people and their power, believing in your client's ability to pay you and to be in your world and to want to learn from you and access your service and then pay you for your service. And so one of the questions I asked in the workbook, which I wish more people asked me this question when I was younger, is how much money do you want to make? That was not asked of most of us. No one asked how much money do you want to make? It's like, what do you want to do? And what's like the average salary of that career, right? I know for me, it was like, yeah, like I think it'd be so cool to make 80K as a therapist working part time. That was kind of like the thing that I thought I would do. And many of you guys had this story or this hope or whatever for years of like what it would be cool to make. And some of you, you've never thought that. Maybe you were a stay-at-home mom or you didn't work or you just worked part time. And then you get into the entrepreneur world and you're like, oh, like I believe in possibilities, but you never really ask yourself how much money you want to make. And so I put that in the workbook. I really want you to ask yourself this question because what it's going to show you, it's going to put you right at the edge of your comfort zone usually, but you're still thinking about what's predictable. And this is what I really want to talk about today. The difference between picking something from predictability and something from possibility or potentiality. Most of us think about what's predictable. I know I did that for years. I'm like, well, you know, I made $20,000 last year, so I'm going to try to make $30,000 this year. I made 100K last year, so I'm going to make 120K this year. Whatever it is, right? Because that's predictable. That's how most of the world operates. But we're not asking ourselves the right questions. Which I think we have to start with what do you want, which is something that we talked about yesterday. Who do you want to be? What do you want to create? I and mean, money is no different. What happens is fear creeps in. Doubt creeps in. Worry creeps in. Logic creeps in. Like, well, this is what most people create in their business. Well, I created this much last year. So predictably, I could make this. And a lot of you, it's like, for me too, I'm watching my brain do this sometimes because it feels safe. I get to operate in my little box of what I know to be true or what I've experienced before. And what I found is so much energy is unlocked when you actually have a goal that you want. One of the things that really severely limited me in the beginning of my coaching career was like trying to be predictable because I thought that's what I should do. And I actually didn't really have energy for my own goals. I actually didn't want the goals that I wrote down on paper. So I wasn't excited to post on Instagram and I wasn't excited to make offers because I was like, that goal isn't enticing and exciting to me because I actually don't even want it. I want something bigger. And so for some of you, it's going to be, are you dreaming big enough? Maybe you don't have the energy and the enthusiasm because you're actually not aligned with a goal you actually want. And so that's what I wanted to start with. Desire is a really powerful thing. And most of us aren't tapped into what we actually want. Like I said, we're looking around for what other people are doing and trying to kind of piecemeal our goals together on what we think is predictable, what we think is average, what we think is doable. And what I love about the paradigm work is what's doable is what you believe is doable. This sounds delusional until you like get into this work. I don't know if you guys have ever had the experience of talking to a friend who thinks very differently about most things. If you're in the entrepreneur world, you already think a little bit differently about some things, right? Um, I have a friend who I love her and she works in a salon 
and I was talking about just some of the things that I'm up to and what I'm doing. And she like couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, you could do this too. And I just like said it very nonchalantly. Of course you could do this. And she's like, I feel like you're like one of those like hype women or something. And I was like, no, like I'm just saying it like hype you up. Like I really believe it. And I think when we do that kind of work, I like to think of like breathing possibility into people and belief into people. Things start to change. And so let's get into it. We're going to talk about faith and fear today, because when we talk about what you want, it's easy to immediately your brain's going to be like, that's not possible. It's not achievable. Doubt and the worry. But it doesn't present itself like doubt and worry. It presents like logic or who are you to want blank amount of money or whatever it is. Like you're so new. You don't have experience. Didn't work last time. You've already done this for four years. Like, who are you to say that this is going to be your quantum leap year or whatever? And what I want to offer is I wrote down on my little note, worry is faith and it's not working out. Doubt is faith in the result that you don't want. And so one of the things that I've become so conscious of in my own work, in my own mind, is what am I putting faith in right now? And I think we really underestimate what we can do when we have faith in what we want and not what we don't want. We think we're being prepared or that we're being logical, right, by worrying. Like, what if it doesn't work out? And when we ask ourselves, what if it doesn't work out? We are immediately shifting from faith into what we want and to faith into what we don't want. And that might seem oversimplified, but when you start to look at all the web of beliefs that you have, it is almost like a gardening process where you are plucking out these little thoughts over and over again of the things that you don't want. And I think it takes some practice. Some of you have already done this on a large scale. Some of you are new to this work, this belief work, this thought work. And then it becomes a way of life where you start to say something and you're like, I don't want that to be true. Why am I saying it? One of the things that I started to do that I'm going to offer to you is like when I'm going to pay for something, why not feel great about it? This is one of the ways that we can shift how we feel about money. This is what I tell my husband all the time because my husband isn't super introduced to this work. We're going to talk about that you might have to be the strongest belief in your family a little bit later today. So he thinks he's being logical, right? When he's like, oh, like that's so expensive, but we're going to pay for it anyway. Things like filling up your car with gas or buying groceries. If you're already going to spend the money, why not feel great about it? Because that's the identity that I want to have, right? It's kind of building from what we talked about yesterday. I have a wealth identity and the wealthiest, highest version of myself I can imagine loves releasing money. She's not worried about it. There's always more where that came from. One of those dominant thoughts that I want to have. And that starts with how you spend money now. I think the best way to do money work is to start to change how you talk about how you already spend money. For me, that was transformational. Yesterday, I talked about how when the more cohesive you are in your identity, not in business, the more it's believable in business. It's not like, I'm a rainmaker, like I'm wealthy. And then you like go to the grocery store and ooh, like, are those chips $3 or so? The dissonance is there, right? We have to be who we are in all places because it feels way more believable. So I think in your personal life, this is a great way to start speaking into existence the kind of money identity that you want. And this is a moment to moment thing. Like if we think about our mind like the garden, I love the book As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. He talks about the mind like a garden. A lot of us were planted thoughts about money in our minds from people that loved us, like our parents, maybe just the culture that we grew up in. And we never took the time to analyze, like, is this a plant that I want to keep? Is it good to worry about money? Does it serve me and what I'm trying to create? Because this is one of the other thoughts that I want to offer is I'm very careful about who I let influence my thinking. Do they have the results that I want with money? So one of the examples that I hear a lot is like a client will say, well, my friend said like, that's crazy that you're charging that much. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, does your friend have the kind of business that you want? No. <laughs> right. So when we ask people permission or what they think, we have to be really careful. We have to put on a strong filter of discernment 
does this person have results with money that I want? Because so often we outsource what we think about money to people who aren't creating the kind of money that we want to make or having the business that we want to have. And so I think using that for me has been really transformational because it seems like, well, everyone thinks this way. So when people say, you know, things are expensive or like, I would never be able to do that. I kind of almost like imagine like a little wall and like, okay, I'm not going to let that influence me. Who I let influence me is people who have the results that I want because they have the paradigm that created that. So I want to adopt their beliefs. Is it delusional? Depends on who you ask. People who aren't willing to change their paradigm do think this work doesn't mean anything. Delusional because they can't access the consciousness that would create something different. And so we chip away at these little thoughts. Or if you think about the garden, right, like you're looking at all these little thoughts about money that some you want to keep, some you don't. In my experience, worry and doubt has never served me unless I pull the intelligence out of it. So if I can't immediately shift a thought, let's say I notice I'm at the groceries. I'm trying to think of something real. Like, ooh, I don't know if that investment is like a good idea. Like I'm really nervous about investing in this mentor. And my brain's like, well, what's the worry? I'm like, I'm worried I'm not going to get an ROI that makes sense for my family. It's like, okay, I'm going to dive into that doubt and find the intelligence. And then I can leave the emotional experience of doubt behind. What that would look like is how would I get my ROI? What would it look like if I went all in with this group? What would it look like if I got coaching and did everything that they asked me to do? Like I could trust myself to execute. I know my case history. They know things that I don't know. So I'll learn things. I trust myself to do the work. Then in that moment, I make a powerful shift that I won't engage with the doubt or worry again, the emotional experience of it. I will engage with the intelligence of it because it's not that we want to shut down our lower brain. Sometimes there's good information that it's offering you. But I think you have to be discerning in, am I giving faith to my worries and my doubts? Or am I using my worries and doubts in the form of intelligence to inform how I'm going to move forward? I think that's just like one foot in reality, one foot in what you want as you're bridging the gap from where you are to where you want to go. So one of the things that I said that I think I want to kind of talk more about is I don't engage in worry or doubt. And like I said, it's not that worry and doubt shows up as like, this is worry. It's like, are you a good mom if you bet this money on yourself? Seems logical to ask that question. What if you fail? What if this doesn't work out? It's such a waste of money. And so one of the things that I started to realize is that is me speaking something into existence. It's not true unless I make it so, right? And so I think part of our work is to be almost like, is this something I want to speak into existence or do I want to speak something else and in that moment recreate the thought? So I think that this is the shift. When I say something like, I don't know if it's going to work. No, of course it's working out. And when you do this in the beginning, it's going to feel delusional. Like you will feel weird. <laughs> like, okay, like it's working out. Okay, Amber. I remember the first time I said out loud to my husband, like, well, there's always more where that came from. And he looked at me and I was like, I'm working on believing this. <laughs> like it feels kind of funny in the beginning. And now when I say there's more where that came from, there's always more where that came from. He's like, I know, babe. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> because I worked on it. So in the beginning, it's going to be like a little, one of the metaphors that I think about a lot is like a little seed, like shoots up this like little tender plant of belief. Like for me, this time period in my business is when I basically disconnected from most people. I was like, these thoughts need protecting. I actually can't expose them to people who think different because it will squash it. If I present my little rose, like shoot up, right? This little green thing that's not a rose yet, but I want to grow it into this abundant rose bush. I want to protect it from people who think differently. And this is when I immerse myself in books and mentorship and podcasts. And a lot of you probably have done a version of this because you're like, this is what I want to believe. 
I think the danger is you present this tiny little plant to someone who's like, that's dumb. And you're like, oh, it is. And then squash, that plant can't grow anymore. And I've seen this happen when you go and ask for advice or you want to validate an idea from someone like a husband or a partner, like a friend, but they don't have the results that you want. And so their paradigm isn't going to be the one you want to calibrate to. We want to calibrate to people who have the ideas and the thoughts that are in alignment with what we want. And this seems like almost like rude or abrasive. I don't think you need to cut people out of your life, but I would be very discerning in who you let into your mind, right? And let influence your mind, including the news, including social media, including your in-laws who just want what's best for you, want you to be safe. It's dangerous. And it's not dangerous as in like they will make your life worse, but it can cost you your dreams because they're trying to protect you. And so one of the things that we want to be really clear about is what are the beliefs that are in alignment with what we want to create? And so that's why we started with what do you want? Because how do you know what to believe if you don't know what you want? And this is the scariest decision. We're not taught how to decide what we want, especially and including about money. Like I said in the beginning, like no one ever asked me how much money I want to make, especially as a woman, especially as a young girl. Right. When I was 16, no one was like, hey, like, what kind of money do you want to make in your life? Ask me that. Now I love asking my own nanny or like my friend's kids. I'm like, how much money do you want to make in your life? I love challenging people to think about because it is a decision. And if you've never made that decision, if you've just said, we'll see what happens instead of deciding what will happen, that's a different shift that I think when you learn how to make those kinds of decisions, when you learn how to be impeccable with your word about money, when miracles start to happen. And like I said, it starts slow. It starts like delusional. It starts like, I don't know what I can do. But in the beginning, you have to nurture it and foster it and be more intentional. And so I want to offer that some of you guys are in different phases of your business. And I know this just looking out and I think it's so awesome and it still applies. If you've done a lot of money work, we're talking about tiny little shifts, tiny little things that we're looking for. In the beginning, when you're like thinking about your mind as a garden, there's probably going to be some obvious weeds. Like money always runs out. There's never enough. That's a very big thought that isn't necessarily true, but you've proven true because you have that paradigm. That would be the first one, right? So we're looking for thoughts that are obvious, like money's never there for me. I can't trust money. Money comes and goes. I can't make money. I'm not good with money. A lot of people have that thought. They think that they're just telling the truth. Like, well, I'm just not good with money. And that's always a belief. And so you could start to believe like, I am good with money. Like, let's make a list of all the ways that I have been good with money. I invested in education. I paid for my home or my car. Those are good, worthy investments. I paid for so I could have an impact with people. I've put myself in rooms to learn things. The only time investments in ourselves or our business doesn't pan out is when we quit. If you commit to the long run, all of it adds up and compounds into fantastic results if you stay in the game long enough. And most people don't. So I have a belief like I'm here until it works. Like you should just brain tattoo. I'm here until it works because then everything starts to make sense. Instead of one piece, you're looking at it out of context. You're looking at a sequence of events that led you to results. And I think when you look at it that way and you zoom out, you see things as necessary and even choose it as desired for the ultimate result, including times when you weren't good with money. You had to go through certain things to learn how to be good with money. One of the biggest things that I want to offer you is that to be grateful for any mistakes that you've made with money. Not because the mistake in and of itself was good, but because of the intelligence and the context that you learned as you grow your wealth identity. I think that's one of the biggest things that I could offer from my own experience is like I learned how to, one, release myself from any bad decisions. I dropped out of my graduate program. That was one of the things I had to really forgive because I was like, 
I made student loans due. I didn't even get my master's degree. And then what I realized is if I didn't do that, I would have never found this industry. So I had to release the shame and the guilt and really put it in the context of a sequence of my life, not a one-time thing. So you're always being guided. And sometimes it means doing things that you regret. But I don't think regret as an emotion is useful in what's next, right? So you have to use, like kind of we talked about, like pulling out the intelligence from doubt and worry. You also have to pull out the intelligence from mistakes, from things you would do differently. And so if you have anything hanging over your head right now, I want you to give you permission that this day can literally be the day that everything changes for you. When you see things in a sequence of events, instead of a one-time thing, one mistake, one regret, like it's always unfolding into the next thing, you can learn the lessons and bring it into this moment to make more powerful decisions. I think in even higher level version, you're grateful for it. Debt, mistakes, regrets, things you wish you didn't invest in, things you maybe didn't go all in on, whatever. You could be upset or you can use it now. And I think the empowered mind looks for ways to use it, looks for the intelligence, forgives what needs to be forgiven and moves on and uses it to propel them into what's next. And so I just wanted to give you that permission. I'm not going to go super into like debt or anything because I want this to be about creating. But I know we have stories about money and a lot of them come from emotional experiences and a lot of times negative emotional experiences really shape our story about money. And so if you're ready to rewrite your story about money, the first thing you have to do is forgive and let go of the past. Only use the past in a way that serves you, right? If you have this story, I'm not good with money. And the first thing you think of is that one time that you really messed up. You're going to keep recruiting situations where you make similar choices and not know why. Like that sabotage or like that identity level where it's like, I'm just not good with money and you will keep proving that true, right? And so we want to shift into, I am good with money. In the beginning, like I said, it's going to feel like unbelievable, but that's the beginning of a new belief. In the beginning, it does feel unbelievable because you don't believe it. <laughs> and so I think Bob Proctor said, like, if you write down a lie and practice believing it enough times, eventually you'll believe it. So yes, will it feel like a lie that you're good with money in the beginning? Maybe. That's normal. You're not doing anything wrong. That's the beginning of you shifting a new belief. And so I'm going to talk about a few things now about money and service and then also Something that I learned from the book, Think and Grow Rich, which I highly recommend if you haven't read that book. It's a very classic book about money and thinking. So we've let go of the past. We decided you're ready to rewrite your money identity and rewrite thoughts over time. Unfortunately, I don't teach Get Rich Quick. That's not my jam. So if you came here to learn money fast, I don't believe in that. But I do believe that anything's possible with commitment. I really want you to consider that this might be the first day of the rest of your life with a new experience with money, if you decide it is. So when we think about money, you got into entrepreneurship because you want to serve. And that's a good news. The only way we can make money is through service and adding value. And I want to add this element of expansion. When I was thinking about Shocker, Taylor Swift, and how there's like 60,000 people in this auditorium and all of us have had value from Taylor Swift, not because of her time. Like, it's not like she kept giving time over and over and over again. She put time into certain songs and who she was being. And then it was the expansion that made that happen. Another word that you might have heard is leverage. Things that don't require your time and attention beyond the time that you create at one time. I know a lot of you guys are doing one-on-one coaching, but I want to offer your content is that this form of expansion, service plus expansion. People can find your content when you're sleeping, when you're on vacation, when you're not working, when you're playing with your kids, when you're on a walk. Like it's so cool to think someone could stumble on your podcast or find your social media or, you know, what was that one email she sent? And maybe they saved it. We don't know. And so I think the more we can do those kinds of things and also our time and attention, of course, like proximity. I think people pay for proximity to us. That's the only way you can make money. 
one of the beliefs that I really like adopted and I want you to adopt too, because I think it'll change your life is when you get what you want, the world gets better. That's the only way for me to become wealthy is that the world gets better. How cool is that? So when we talk about making more money, what we're really talking about is your expansion of service in the world. And so I think one of the things, the sneaky story is that like rich people are bad. I don't think it's always like rich people are bad. It's like, oh, rich people are selfish or like, oh, like they just make it all about them. Somehow they're different than me, right? We have these stories. Maybe you actually had an experience where a person with money wasn't super nice to you. And then it's like the story or you heard your dad talking about it or your grandma talking about it, right? Like these little moments that we probably weren't even conscious of because we were so young just became how we saw the world. And so we want to start saying things that are more true with and in alignment with where we want to go. So if you can only make money by making the world better, this is also true of the rich people that we have stories about. They only got wealthy by making the world better. I think that there's certain scenarios. I'm thinking of evil people <laughs> get rich doing evil things. I think that the karma will come back to them. I'll just leave it at that. When I think about Steve Jobs, who created Apple and he was super wealthy, he had tons of money. I'm super glad I have an iPhone right? The value that they created in the world at Apple, it makes sense why it's a multi-billion dollar company. Think about how many times you use an iPhone or use a computer or Apple Music, like there's so many different things, right? The expansion of one creation, replicated, served, upgraded over time, creates the wealth. Same is true for any person that you admire who has the kind of money that you want to make. It's because they learned how to amplify their service or create high levels of service where they can't be replaced where it's maybe one of a kind, maybe it's so relevant and useful to certain people. Like I think about coaching in general, right? You can be so useful and so relevant to specific people that they're like, where have you been all my life? That's when you're going to make the money that you want to make when you can resonate with people that way. And so when we talk about making more money, we're talking about your service in the world. We're going to talk more about your impact, I think tomorrow, or maybe Thursday. We're going to talk more about the service, but I want to kind of plant that seed in your mind that when we talk about making more money, it really is because you're making the world better for people. Now, on the wealth consciousness side, your mind and being okay with getting paid. I know a lot of you guys, just in private conversations and some of the messages that I've gotten, you have a problem with making money yourself. Like it feels uncomfortable for you to get paid, which is just a paradigm. One of the biggest thoughts that I believe for a long time is that like when you do good work in the world, you don't get paid for it. <laughs> It's like the people who have the biggest heart, like Mother Teresa, like she made such a difference in the world, right? And so she didn't get paid for it. And that will always limit your ability to make money. And especially if you keep saying, I want to make more money, but I also have this belief that really good people don't get paid a lot of money. Those thoughts aren't in alignment. And so what we want to clean up is like, I think the people who make great impacts in the world do get paid a ton of money. I think about Tony Robbins. I think about some of the other coaches and mentors that I love to follow who are like in the self-help world. They make a ton of money and they've changed people's lives, right? They've added a ton of value to lots of people, some in different capacities. Maybe it's a lot in proximity and a lot who just like buy their book or whatever. The expansion idea of service. But they also had the wealth consciousness. They wanted to get paid. They knew that it was good for them to make money. We talked about yeah a little bit yesterday about the flow of money, right? It's good for them to flow out service, the expansion of service and a better life for people. And then the flow comes back to them. Value comes back to them in the medium of exchange we've all agreed upon, which is money. And so it's good for the world as you serve the world. It's good for you to make money as well. It means that there's a fair exchange. Money is like we call it currency, right? We call currency money because it's a current. It flows in and it flows out. And so one of the things that I want you to think about is where are you blocking money from coming? Because maybe you believe like, oh, I don't know if it's good for me to make this, but you keep saying you want it. That's what's so interesting, right? 
it's like this thought, like, I want to make more money, but also I don't know if I should make money. That's not in alignment with what you want. And so we want to clean that up. And I really think the thought, it's great for the world when I make money. Why not believe that if you want to make more money? The world gets better when I make more money. Why not believe that if you want to make more money? Doesn't that make more sense? And also, if you really believe that's true, the world will get better as you make money and with your money. It's that flow, right? And so I think for all of you guys, like I'm looking at this list of people and some of you guys I know really well and some of you I'm just meeting, which I'm so glad. I know the world will be better as you make more money. You have to believe that or else you will keep blocking it. This is why I think we have a lot of the problems in the world is because good people have this weird thing about making a lot of money. And I think the world will get better as more good people make more money. I want you to make money. (laughs) Some of the questions I want you to consider is how can you combine your own expansion with service? What ideas come to you? We're going to talk about your offer as well. The other thing that I want you to consider is collapsing time around money. And I use that word and some of you are going to be like, I don't know what that means. And some of you are going to be like, oh, I love collapsing time. I don't know where you're going to fall on that spectrum, but I wanted to speak to it a little bit because things can happen very fast. This does not have to take time. One of the things that I really learned from Tony Robbins is that decisions don't take time. We spend most of the time making the decision, but the decision is made in an instant. You could decide on this call the amount of money that you're going to make. I'm actually going to have you write down some things and commit to it. We talked yesterday about commitment. Most people just are committed to not making money. And they would say that they are, but they're not. And how do we know that? Their results tell us. And so one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do is to start committing to the story of the money that you want to make, committing to the story of it working out, committing to the story that as you make more money, people's lives get better and the world gets better. Why not believe that? This is going to take practice, kind of like that garden idea. There's going to be little thoughts that you need to protect, even from people that love you and that you love. They just don't have the results that you want with money. And that doesn't mean that they're bad people. A lot of times they're really good people. And that's why it's confusing. When I talked to my grandma, she's such a good woman. But she also was raised by a mom who grew up in the Depression. So she's like the kind of woman that drives around and tries to find, you know, something for $2 cheaper that thinks that, you know, just scraping by is good. The more money she saves on discounts and things like that is like virtuous. And so I had to be very cheerful about asking her for advice or sharing what I wanted to create, not because my grandma's a bad person. If you met her, you'd know she's like the most amazing person. This isn't about being good or bad. This is just about a skill set and a belief system of creating money. And so we want to look for people who have ideally the values that you have. You know, hopefully they are good people, but particularly people who have the results that you want, the skill sets and the beliefs that make money, the character traits as well. So let's talk about collapsing time. I called it present tense creation. Most people don't think this way. So one of the things that I want to offer is that you have to speak it as if it's happening. This is confusing for people because like, but I don't have the money. So I don't want to say I have the money or like if I don't actually have the money, how do I spend money? Right. And this is where I think we feel delusional or we feel crazy, but it will change your life. And so sometimes you're going to write this down. I have a journal where it's like, I'm so happy and grateful for blank. And I rotate in and out of what's happening now. So one of the keys is to actually believe it. If I say I'm so happy and grateful for my seven-figure business and I don't believe it, I don't feel it, it's not going to have the same impact. So we want to write down, I'm so happy and grateful for things that are true, right? I'm so happy and grateful for the home that I live in. That is true. I'm so happy and grateful that I'm fully booked. That may or may not be true for you. Whatever it is, write it down. And then you're going to interlace thoughts that you want to be true, but you're going to write them as if it's done. I'm so happy and grateful. Maybe you're working on 10K months, let's say. I'm so happy and grateful for 10K months and really let that hit you. Because in the quantum realm, I'm not going to go super deep into the quantum. Some of you guys have done quantum play with me. (laughs) It is done. And this is why when we have faith in something that we want, it's not just like, I hope it happens. 
it's understanding that like scientifically it is done. And so when I think about possibilities and potentialities, I'm really believing in this version of myself that's already completed it. So when I say I'm happy and grateful for, let's say, 10K months is your goal, you are accessing a reality in the future where that is true. And you're having faith in that future. And so when you say I'm happy and grateful, it's not just kicks and giggles. It's not just doing something that Amber said to do or that another coach told you to do. It really is bridging the gap between future you and present you. But you can only do that by saying it in present tense and believing it in this moment. Joe Dispenza has great work on this. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself is one of the books I recommend most from him. It's like getting into the energy and the vibration and the emotions of your future self now. The problem is, is most people actually don't, right? They write it down and then they move on with their day. They come to a training like this. And that's why I really pushed it yesterday. It's like, don't be the same person that you were, because then you miss the whole point, right? We have to change who we are being now. And this is why we speak it into the present tense, because I don't want to say one day I'll have money. I see this a lot with my clients. Like, I totally believe I will have that in the future. I'm like, then it will always be in the future because that's where you believe it is. And you will keep it at arm's length. And some of you are doing this right now because you believe so deeply. <laughs> some of you are like, babe, it was me. I'm not making a judgment. I'm making an observation of all of us. This was totally me. I was like, I know I will make money. Like 10 out of 10, I believe. And my coach is like, yeah, but you have to bring that into this moment or else it will always be in the future. And this is where people feel delusional because it's like, how can I say I'm happy and grateful for 10K months if I don't have 10K months? I don't have it now. And this is why I like studying the quantum field because it helped me see it is now. It's not my reality right now, but it is a reality that I could tap into. For me, this helped me understand faith as well. It's not just hopefully it works out. It's like in a certain version of me, it has worked out. I read a book called Busting Loose from the Money Game. The title is interesting. The cover of the book is even more interesting. If you go to Amazon and look up Busting Loose from the Money Game, it looks very cheesy, but it's one of the deepest books I've ever read. And he explains the hologram theory, right? So it's like everything's happening all at the same time. I'm not going to go super deep into it. I'm going to give you the basic premise so you see what I'm saying. Basically, everything's happening at the same time, but who I'm being now impacts the future. So the future is always changing based on who I am now, but it's all happening at the same time. The way that I like to think about it is a video game. Actually, this really helped me understand what this means. So when you put in, like, let's say you put in the disc of the video game, every move the character can make is already programmed into the game. But you still get to choose what you do. It's like, let's say you're Harry Potter jogging down Hogwarts. You could cast a spell. You could turn around. You could jump a pie. But you get to choose what you do. But it was already programmed into the game. That's how I like to think about this. So when you think about you in the future, there's infinite possibilities, but they're already programmed. You just get to decide now what it will be. And so when we have faith in the future, it is not just blind faith. This has really helped me with money making. I'm like, there is literally a version of me that's done this. So it is done. I can be happy and grateful for whatever I want to create because in the future it's done. Like I said, most people don't think this way. But I promise when you start to collapse time this way, where you start to be happy and grateful for the future as if it's happening now, things will start to move faster than you know what to do with. And so for me, the belief work becomes very real when you start to see evidence. And that is my hope for you all is to start applying this so you can start to see evidence. I think the hardest thing personally that people do is go from making no money as an entrepreneur to making money. I think that is the hardest shift because you have no evidence. Once you've made some money, you have evidence that it's working and now it's just expanding it. It's not going from nothing to something. You're going from something to something more. That's a lot easier. And what I want to offer is some of you are going from something to something more and you think it's harder. And so it will be. What if it was easier to go from something to something more 
like 50K to 100K, 100K to 300K, whatever jump you're trying to make. What if that was way easier than your first dollars? And I believe that's true. So I wanted to say that because I have compassion for some of you who are trying to start something from scratch. It feels very difficult because it is, because you're going from nothing to something. Once you've gotten in the habit of making money, it gets a lot easier. And then when you combine it with this work, where you're speaking things into existence, you're believing in your ability to make money as if it's happening now. And you're monitoring. I don't know if I like that word. You're tending to the garden of your mind and only encouraging and nurturing thoughts that actually are in alignment with where you want to go, where you are. Things start to happen. And so what I want to offer is to start waiting, not waiting, observing how it is working. I think one of the biggest thought errors that people have is it's not working. I'm like, then you are believing it's not working. You have to be tuned into it is always working. And this is hard to explain until you've experienced where you get it. You're like, yes, it was always working. Why not believe that? When I wake up in the morning and I'm like, my business is working. It feels so good. And it makes me inspired. It gets me excited to make offers. It makes me excited to show up for my clients because my business is working. And there's very, very few times where I have the belief that it's not because I've just trained my mind like this is just the truth that I want to live, that my business is always working. And this is where we get to bring the future into the present. So no matter what's happening in your business right now, you could choose to believe that it's working. And what I want to offer is if your business hasn't worked yet, which is different, hasn't worked yet, you haven't been observing the results that you want yet. What if the only difference that you need to make is the belief that it's working? Your action stays the same. What you're saying stays the same. But the way that you're doing it is from the energy of it's working, it's done. For a lot of you, that is the missing piece. And it seems oversimplified, except that you won't actually commit to that belief. You want to hang on to your commitment to it's not working. And it feels true, right? I don't have clients. I don't have consults booked. The money's not coming in. It's not working. This is that shift where it's like, I'm so happy and grateful for the clients that keep coming to me from places known and unknown. What if you wrote that down every day and practice actually believing if it was true? Most people won't do that work. They'll go listen to another podcast. They'll download another book. They'll join another training, but they won't actually practice that belief in their body. This is all good in theory, but if you don't change who you're being when you do the dishes, when you go on a walk, when you go to the movies, when you go out for dinner, when you're cooking dinner, when you're on a Zoom room with a client as well, nothing will change because the cliche is like nothing changes until something changes, right? (laughs) Or if nothing changes, nothing changes. You are the cause of your business. You are the cause of money coming into your life. And so until you change, nothing will change. And what I'm offering to you today is most people won't do it because it feels delusional. But the delusional people are the ones winning with money. The dreamers are the ones that are making all the money. Steve Jobs was crazy until he wasn't, right? And that's what I always tell my clients. I'm like, yeah, you might feel crazy. But then all of a sudden, you won't feel crazy. People will ask you how you did it. And you'll say these things and they'll be like, oh, that doesn't work. And there we go. And then we keep having these self-fulfilling prophecies. Why not write the self-fulfilling prophecy with money that you want to experience? Why not believe that the world gets better, that clients get results, right? Because you're making money. So I'm going to share with you, there's this beautiful book that I mentioned earlier. This is my copy, Thinking Grow Rich. And I've read it multiple times. And one of the exercises he has, in case you do read it, it's in the auto-suggestion chapter. My page is on page 86. In case you have the book, you can go do this work. I'm going to summarize it in a very tactical way for you on how to actually do this work. This is like an exercise I recommend. If you like homework, you're going to love this. The key is it only changes if you actually apply it, if you actually feel it, if you actually do it. Knowing this information is very different than living this information. And I wanted to front load you because this isn't going to be something like, oh, yeah, I heard these steps. But it's like, do you do those steps every day? And actually, that's something that I want to also say is this is something that you do every day until you get the results that you want. 
what amount of money do you want to be making? And I recommend something that is just one step out of your comfort zone. I do not recommend to write $1 billion unless any of you are a billionaire. If you are, I would love to talk to you (laughs) or close to being it. I'm so grateful that stretch goal that feels just outside your comfort zone that would be incredible to make that you can really believe. That's why I talked about service and expansion. We don't get something for nothing. The world doesn't work like that. And we know this. And so this is what I want to offer. And this is why I said service and expansion, because some of you are going to create things that don't feel like work, but provides service. I'm going to give you an example that's kind of unrelated to our industry, like real estate. When someone buys an apartment complex and then rents it out, they're giving people a place to live. It doesn't require a lot of work, but it does create a lot of service. So what I want you to think about, and we're going to talk more about these next few days, is what you're willing to do in return for the money doesn't have to be work harder, but it does have to increase the amount of service you give the world. If you want to make more than you're making more, you have to figure out a way to create more service for the world. It keeps you in harmony with the laws, but it also, and I mean like the laws of the universe, I mean, obviously the laws of your country as well, but it feels good. And we want money to feel good or else we won't want to make it anymore. We will burn out. And so what are you willing to do in return for the money? And so what I wrote down is in return for the money, I will give my all in serving my clients to my greatest capacity to help them achieve higher levels of success, happiness, and freedom. That's actually my statement that I think about a lot. And what I love about this is it can be one-on-one coaching. It can be creating a course. It can be giving more in your social media or in your podcast. There's probably things that you are procrastinating doing right now because you have some beliefs that we need to clean up. And so one of my favorite thoughts to shift that is like, this is not about me. This is about the people who are impacted by me. So if you're afraid to start the podcast, you're afraid to make a new offer, run the group, ask for more money, raise your prices. Are you making it about you? then it will always feel bad. But when you think about the impact and the service and the expansion that your clients experience, everything starts working a lot better. You'll also be more motivated. It's funny, we're more willing to do things for other people. So some of you are like, I'm not super motivated by money. That's great. How many people do you want to help? How many people do you want in your client load? Not because it makes you a fully booked coach, but because it'll change their life and their family's lives forever. So write down what you're willing to do in return for the money. After this, I think of it like a statement of faith. What I wrote down, you can write down your own statement of faith. And this is not in the workbook. So you're only getting this if you're there, if you're live or watching the replay. I believe I will have this money. I believe it's always coming to me from places known and unknown and that it is good for me when I have it. That's what I want to have faith in. And I want you to either write this or read this. Ideally, you write it and read it every day. And you practice believing that you have it. Whatever you put here doesn't have to be taken care of. Some of you are beyond that and you're going to 20, 30, 40. Some of you are like, I want to make my first 500 bucks as a coach. Some of you are like, you know, I've made 3,000 and I'm ready to go for five. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Feeling as if it's done. The next thing I want to add, this is from Napoleon Hill. So this is not my own. It is something that I got from Florence Shin. And she says to dig your ditches. If you're going to pray for rain, you better dig the ditch. And this is the missing piece for a lot of people. What will you do with the money that you create? Do you even know? I can feel people's belief when they tell me what they're going to do with it because they're already thinking, I have it. If I already have it, I would be wondering (laughs) and planning and deciding what I'm going to do with it. So you have to dig the ditch. Even if it's a small amount, I wouldn't even judge it small. If it's a new amount, one of the things that I've learned is if you are doing the things that you think you'll be doing when you're super wealthy now, like having an allocation, I like to use the word allocation, not budget, allocation meeting with yourself, You are not the identity that you want to be, right? If you imagine when you're making, let's say you want to make $500,000 and you're like, when I make $500,000, I'm going to invest and I'm going to save and I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to give people money. 
And I would ask, are you doing those things now on a smaller scale? And most people will say no, because they have a belief there's not enough money. And there's the problem, right? We found the belief that's not working. And so what I love about thinking about the digging the ditch idea is that it shows you what you're actively believing that's limiting you. So if you say, I want to make 100K, I'm using all sorts of ideas because I don't want anyone to like judge their number against anyone else's number. Let's say you're like, I'm so happy and grateful that I make 100K a year. And you're like, in return for the money, I will give my all in serving my clients and spreading the word of coaching or whatever and creating content every week. Maybe you made one of those commitments. I don't know. And then you have your statement of faith and then digging your ditch means what will you do with 100K? If you take home $100,000, what are you going to do with it? And make a little list. And what I found is many people will not do this. They will leave this revamp and be the same person. Or maybe you'll have an allocation meeting with yourself, but you're doing it as you are now and you haven't done it for the future. And so what I want to offer is to sit down with yourself like an executive meeting, like you're the wealthiest version of you you can imagine and allocate the money that you will have because you have faith. You are speaking it into existence. You are no longer speaking the limiting stuff into existence. I hope you actually do this. And then my challenge for you is to do this until you create the money. It's easy to not do this. This is what I found. I was actually talking to one of my clients who's a health coach. And she's like, the things my clients don't do are like the things that are easy not to do. I'm like, that's the truth for everything. The things that are easy not to do are easy to do. And that's why we don't do them. Like reading the statement every day and practicing the belief. It's easy not to do it, but it's also easy to do it. This is like the razor's edge of success. What I found is I do things just like a little bit different than people like this. Like I actually do this, I actually think these thoughts. I actually feel my future selves instead of just taking a training and not changing myself. It's taking the five minutes or when I open my garage door and seeing the car that I want to see in my garage. Those little things of my imagination of planting seeds for the future, I actually do it. And so that is my encouragement to you. Do not just consume this and let it go into your head about something that you could talk about in the future as if it's like a statistic or a framework you can share at dinner with your friend or your family. Let this be a part of your life. I just saw the chat. How specific do you feel like is helpful to allocate the money? I would do it to the dollar. If it was real, like this will make it very real for you. I would really think through if you made X amount, where is it going? Because it will force you to make it very real. So that's my encouragement. I would do it all the way. And you don't have to do the allocation every day. That's something I should have said. The digging the ditch, I would do one time. And then maybe quarterly or something. Because like most people don't allocate their funds every single day. Can you give examples of statements of faith? Yeah, so my statement of faith is I believe I will have this money. I believe it's always coming to me from places known and unknown. It is good for me to have it because the world gets better. So I wanted to say one thing. I'm mean, going to kind of like drop this at the beginning. Because some of you have people in your life that have very good intentions. And they are not the people that are supposed to be the money makers in your family. Or maybe they are and you want even more than what they're creating. So that's how I started. My husband had a job. It's not like we didn't have money coming in, but like I had this vision. I had this idea of what could be and he didn't. And it was difficult because I was like, should I just like settle? Should this just be okay? But I couldn't stop thinking about what I wanted. <laughs> it was like real to me, you know? And so what I found is I don't like being told like, this is good. We are spiritual beings meant for expansion. That looks different for everyone. Some people, it's like developing their musical gifts. Some people, it's, you know, becoming an amazing dancer. I don't know. But for entrepreneurs, it's expanding in our business. It's seeing what we're capable of. So I don't love it when people are like, just settle in. This is amazing. Aren't you grateful? When I am grateful. Something I learned from one of my coaches, Melanie Ann Layer, who I love. She's like, the walk of success is one foot in gratitude and one foot in desire. 
always thinking about what's next. So you can be grateful for everything that you have and know there's another level for you. And I want to breathe that into all of you because I think sometimes it's easy to be like, I have enough. This is good. But if you have the vision in your mind about what is possible, you're never going to feel satisfied until you're going for it. The ironic thing is you're never going to be satisfied with what you have because you'll always want another level. But the satisfaction comes from the pursuit of it, not from the neglect or the suppression of it. And so if it's been a while, call this the revamp. If it's been a while since you believed in something big, it's time to think big again. Most people are going to think you're delusional, but people who create something big don't think you're delusional. You'll never be criticized by someone ahead of you. You'll only be criticized by people either at your level or behind you. And so that's something to think about. I love this, but it's very real for me right now as I'm quitting my job to start a coaching practice and what I tell my insurance agent I will make in 2023 determines how much I pay for insurance. Yeah, that's one of those things that's like, you better have faith. And most people would be like, you have to be predictable. But if you are willing to really speak your reality into existence and you do what you know how to do, right? Like, obviously, we're going to talk about action and things the rest of this week. But what you can really believe and then speaking that into existence the entire year, you can do whatever you decide. I really believe that. That is a big life change, though. You got this. Chelsea, Amber for president. Chelsea, I love you. And your little, I love that you said Amber's fan or something when you, I saw that you booked that on when you joined the revamp. So fun. Thanks guys. Okay. So my last thought for you is that sometimes you have to be the strongest belief in your family because the vision came to you. It's not because you're wrong. It's because you're meant to carry the belief. And so if it feels like other people think differently than you, maybe it's you that has to lead the way. Okay, we're going to continue our conversation tomorrow at 7 p.m. because I don't have a nanny tomorrow. <laughs> so we're going to do it at night. And then we'll go back to daytime Thursday and Friday. Hopefully you guys can come. And if not, you can catch the replay. I will send out that link so you can catch both of these replays shortly. Okay, I'll talk to you later. See you tomorrow. Bye. Hey, I hope you loved and resonated with today's episode. If you did, I know you'd love to be a member of my community in The Matrix. It's where we combine business savvy with the inner work, where I help you build your business in a way that actually feels aligned to you and allows you to create the impact, money, and success you want. Find out more and join at itsambersmith.com forward slash matrix. I'll see you inside.